I mentioned to you in our study last Sunday when we were looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 4 through 10 that verse 6 really jumped out at me. I was digging into that paragraph and just when I was first starting the study of that section, this verse hit me. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, and this is what hit me. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And when I start preparing a sermon series, I have a document that I open and I jot down, you know, ideas and thoughts and, you know, well, maybe I should preach on this and preach on this. I made a note about verse 6. Study this. Receiving the message in the midst of suffering. How to listen in suffering and maintain the joy given by the Holy Spirit. That's a challenging truth. And the plan is today and next Sunday, we're going to look at this verse. Today, we're going to look at how to listen through the pain. You received the message in the midst of suffering. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about how to maintain the joy given by the Holy Spirit when you're going through pain. And this morning, we're really going to look at two passages of Scripture to help us with this. 2 Samuel chapter 12 and Psalm 3. Those would be the, the places to kind of get ready to go. We're going to begin in 2 Samuel 12 and then we'll conclude in Psalm 3. So how can we listen to God when we're hurting? How can we welcome the message in the midst of severe suffering? The King James Version says much affliction. The New American Standard says much tribulation. The NIV says severe suffering. And it's not just tribulation, it's much tribulation. Not just affliction, much affliction. Uh, these Thessalonian believers were going through some difficult times when they were welcoming Paul's message. And that word that's translated affliction or tribulation or suffering means pressure and distress. It actually means to press as you would press a grape to get juice out of it. So he's not talking about some mild discomfort. He is talking about pressure. And, and as I thought about all of these definitions, I summarize it in, in my own thinking as pain. That he's talking about pain. Now, we know there are different kinds of pain. There's emotional pain, whether it's the pain of a broken heart or a broken relationship or frustrations at work or challenges at home. We know about emotional pain. There is mental pain when the thoughts just won't stop coming. Uh, what Jay Glazer calls living in the gray. You know, when your mind just won't give you peace. We understand that mental pain. There's spiritual pain. The pain of feeling separated from God or the, the pain of an unanswered prayer. And there's physical pain. So as I was digging into the meanings of these words, translated affliction, tribulation, suffering, 
It's pain. It's what he's talking about is pain. Now, let me jump to my medical hat here for a minute. Historically, there have been four vital signs. There's your body temperature, your pulse rate, your respiration rate, that is your rate of breathing, and your blood pressure. Well, in 1996, HCAPS, which is the organization that uh, evaluates patient satisfaction with their health care, indicated that what they were discovering was that in most places, pain management meant no pain management. And they were beginning to understand that a lot of people, especially in long-term care facilities, were living in uncontrolled pain. And they said, this isn't right. We need to manage people's pain better. And so in 1996, they added to the patient satisfaction surveys. If you've been to the hospital, you probably had mailed to you a a satisfaction survey. Please fill this out. It's important that you do that because a few years ago, CMS, which is the, the organization that provides Medicare and Medicaid funding to these facilities, tied your reimbursement to your scores on patient satisfaction. So patient satisfaction began to be very, very important. And so in 96, they added a series of questions to that patient satisfaction survey about pain management. During this stay, did you need medicine to help with your pain? And if yes, the next question was, how often did the hospital do everything within their power to control your pain? Never, sometimes, usually, always. Of course, what you want is that top box, which is always. And so you know what began to happen. Because patients were the arbiters of whether or not their pain was controlled. And so if they said, I'm hurting, they would get pain medicine. And what began to happen is people were leaving healthcare facilities addicted to prescription pain medicine. The law of unintended consequence. And thus began the opioid epidemic in our society. It came from a sincere desire to help people not be in pain. But it ended up with that unintended consequence. And toward the middle of 2016, HCAP says, you know, we have created a bad situation. And as effective calendar year 2017, they took away from the survey all the questions about pain, and there are no longer questions on the survey about pain. But pain is a real thing, and pain is a real problem. You know that when you're in pain, you're not good for much of anything. Pain saps your strength, it saps your focus, regardless of the kind of pain, emotional, mental, spiritual, physical, when you're in pain, most people just want to be left alone. And if you're in chronic physical pain, you pretty much want everybody to be on the other side of the house. You know, don't even breathe my air. You know, just, just stay away. When, when you're in pain, 
it's hard to be kind, it's hard to be patient, it's hard to listen. And guess who knows that? <laughs> the devil knows that. And he will send pain into your life to distract you from being able to hear from God. Now, in times past, we have studied suffering and the different causes of suffering. We're not going to go into those this morning. This morning, we're going to focus on the suffering that the Thessalonians were going through, which was because of their faith. Because of their faith in God, they were going through persecution. They were going through suffering. And since the devil knows it's hard to listen when you're hurting, and since Paul understood that, when he's reflecting on these Thessalonian believers, he said, this is amazing. You welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering. He says, you were in pain, but you still heard and welcomed the message. So what I want us to look at today is how we can maintain our connection to God in the midst of suffering, in the midst of of pain, how to listen through the pain. And as I was mulling on this, two episodes from the life of David came to my mind. And the first is in 2 Samuel chapter 12. If you wondered if we were ever going to get there, 2 Samuel chapter 12. This follows the story of David and his immorality with Bathsheba. The baby born from that union is very sick. And David prays and prays and prays for God to heal the baby. In fact, in verse 16, it says, He pleaded with God for the child. He fasted. He spent the nights lying in sackcloth on the ground. And the elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground. But he refused, and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's attendants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought while the child was still living, he wouldn't listen to us when we spoke to him. How can we now tell him that the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his attendants were whispering among themselves. He realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? He asked, yes, he is dead. Then David teaches us something. He got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at his request they served him food, and he ate. And his attendants asked him, Why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept, but now that he's dead, you get up and eat? And he answered, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, Who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he's dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him. He will not return to me. And then David comforted his wife Bathsheba. Now there's some practical insights here into how we can position ourselves to hear from God in the midst of the pain. The first thing is stop living in the past. This is especially, I think, important when we're dealing with mental and emotional pain. And certainly David was going through mental and emotional pain. 
While the baby is still sick, David is in agony, praying for God to heal the baby. Once the baby dies, he says, okay, God said no to my prayer. There's no need to play the what if game. There's no need to play the if only game. It's time for me to get on with my life. What happens when we're in pain, especially mental, emotional pain, is we get involved in that shoulda, woulda, coulda stuff. If only I had done this, or if only we had done that, or what if this had happened first, or what if we had done this instead. And that just increases the cycle of pain. David says, when it's over, stop living in the past. Don't stay focused on the pain. And that's what the devil would like for us to do. And that's what our brains do to us so many times, is keep us wallowing in the pain. Keep us saying, mulling on it and living in it and, and you're saying, well, I should have done this and if only we had done that and if we'd have done this sooner, if we'd have done that later. And it's over. There's nothing you can do to change it. But if you keep in the past, you never are able to break free of that pain. And David says, okay, God said no. He says, I know a baby's in heaven. He's not going to come back to me, but I'm going to get to go to him one day. And so he was able to get on. And the second step is to live in the present. He gets up and he took care of himself. We're going to do this a little bit out of order from the, the reference. He took care of himself spiritually. He went to the house of the Lord and worshiped. The only way to successfully listen to God through the pain is to maintain contact with God and his people. When you're in pain is not the time to start avoiding God. When you're in pain is not the time to quit church. That's the human nature. I'm hurting since I'm hurting, and the reason I'm hurting in my mind is because God didn't do what I wanted him to do, therefore I'm not going to go to church. And what happens is the pain deepens. David said, Lord, I'm back to my regularly scheduled program. I'm back to being a part of the worshiping community. I'm still connecting to you. It's incredibly important in the pain that you take care of yourself spiritually takes a lot of discipline if you're in physical pain it takes a lot of discipline to get out and and get to church but it's important hebrews 10 don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching and let's be honest there are times when the pain is so intense that you don't have the emotional or mental or spiritual or physical energy to pray. Haven't you ever hurt so bad you couldn't pray? Maybe you could say, oh God, and that was about it. Because the pain was so overwhelming, you couldn't put thoughts together to put a sentence together to pray. That's when your brothers and sisters in the family of God are an important resource to drop somebody an email or a text or a phone call and say, I'm really struggling right now. I need all the prayer support I can get. 
and they can pray for you. And that's, to me, one of the highest compliments anybody ever gives me is, will you pray with me about? Because when somebody asks you to pray for them, they're saying, I believe that you'll take this seriously, and I believe that you'll pray for me. And when one of your brothers and sisters in the family of God says, please pray for me, please make a note somewhere to remember to pray, you know? Um, how many times are you, sure, I'll pray for you, and then we forget about it till the next time we see him, and then all, we pray real quick, you know, until we get up to them, say, I was just praying for you, you know? But, but how important it is to allow our brothers and sisters to pray for us. Take care of yourself spiritually. Take care of yourself physically and emotionally. He gets up off the ground, verse 20. He takes a bath. He puts on his body spray and puts on clean clothes, goes to the house of the Lord. Take care of yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually. It's okay to be good to yourself. Now, I, I do know that there are people that they're good to themselves to the exclusion of caring about anybody else. But if you're trying to live for the Lord and you're trying to invest in other people, it's okay to be good to yourself. I, I found a thing one time and I sent it to my kids because they're all in positions where sometimes they're giving so much to others that they're not taking care of themselves. And, and I found a quote, it, it, was, it was in a book I was reading, it said something along the line of, take as good care of yourself as you do the people that you're responsible for. Wow, that's good. Take as good care of yourself as you take of the people you're responsible for. And that leads us to take care of your responsibilities. It was Bathsheba's son too. And so he goes in and comforts Bathsheba. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in our pain that we forget those to whom we're responsible. And it's important to take care of our responsibilities. Don't let them slip. I know that's hard when you're hurting. But that's why we're talking about here's how you can position yourself to hear from God. Keep taking care of your responsibilities. And the third thing he tells us is to trust God for the future. In verse 23, he says, you know, he's not going to come back to me, but I can go to him. Have that future focus. I know this life is not all there is. And back to the Thessalonian believers, their pain, we talked about this last week, became a platform from which their lives testified to the power of the gospel all through Macedonia and beyond. And so as we're going through pain, hang on to the promise that God is working in all things for the good of those who love him. So don't focus on the past, live in the present, trust God for the future. The second story from David's life begins in 2 Samuel 13, but we're going to look at Psalm 3. 2 Samuel 13 through 18 sets the stage for Psalm 3. I am not going to take the time to go into the gory details of 2 Samuel 13 through 18, but they are gory details. You will think when you read it that you're on the set of a Jerry Springer show or something. It's bad. And the bottom line is Absalom, who's David's son, is so angry at David for what happened in those chapters 
that he spends four years undermining his father the king's authority and winning over the hearts of the people. And when the time was right, Absalom sends out word, I am now the king. My daddy David is no longer the king. I am your king. That's 2 Samuel 15, verse 10. And the rebellion against David was so massive that David and his key staff had to flee from Jerusalem, the capital city, and they're running literally for their lives from David's son. Now stop and think about that. You talk about pain. Not only have you lost your kingdom, but you've lost it because your son has betrayed you and undermined you and rebelled against you. Now, one of the reasons the Psalms is such a popular passage of Scripture is because it's, it's like David's journal. And in Psalm 3, you'll notice the little heading, when he fled from his son Absalom. The Psalms take on much deeper meaning if you understand the events that precipitated the psalm. And this is what's going on when David writes Psalm 3. He is running from his, for his life from his son, Absalom. And I believe in Psalm 3, David once again gives us some insight into how we can position ourselves to stick in contact with God so that we can hear from him through the pain. And the first step is to describe the situation. Verses 1 and 2. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Have you ever been to the doctor and he said or she said, where does it hurt? Sometimes it kind of seems like a silly question, but, you know, if you don't know the source of the pain, you don't really know how to accurately treat the pain. You know, otherwise they just give you some kind of a general thing and you end up sometimes in worse case than you were to start with. Have you ever felt like, well, Doc, to be honest with you, I hurt all over more than anywhere else? You know, it's just there are times when, when the pain is just overwhelming. But if you know the source of the pain, you can begin to deal with the pain. If you don't know the source of the pain, it's just overwhelming. Again, whether it's mental or emotional or physical or spiritual, if you can't isolate where the pain's coming from, it's just overwhelming. And what keeps it overwhelming is that everything is so overwhelming when you're in pain. And so it's important to describe what's going on. It's important to try to take the situation apart into its component parts. Where am I hurting and why am I hurting? What's causing the pain? And let me just stop here for a minute and say sometimes the pain is so intense, and I'm talking here about mental pain, emotional pain, that you need to get help outside of yourself. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to go to a trained professional who will be sympathetic to your faith and help you work through things. Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. 
Asking for help is a sign of strength. And sometimes we need help from outside ourselves to have somebody else help us try to figure out what's causing the pain. David knew what was causing his pain. And he used the word foe, which is an interesting word. It's a word that means to be pressed externally by your enemies and to be pressed internally because you know you messed up. <laughs> and that's what David's going through. He messed up. You read those chapters in 2 Samuel. He messed up. And he knew that part of the reason Absalom was coming after him was his own fault, which added to the pain. So he describes, Lord, this is what's going on. I've got these foes. I messed up. My enemies are coming after me. They're saying God's not on my side anymore. But then if you're going to hear from God through the pain, you've got to remember that God is with you. I love verse 3. But you, Lord. See, eventually, through the pain, we have to get to those three words. But you, Lord. Remember, God is with you. And he says, God is my shield around me. Now, typically, a shield was just in front of you. He said, God is a shield around me. He is surrounding me. This is God's protection. And he said, God's protection is all-encompassing. Remember, God is your shield. Remember his protection through the pain. And then he said, you are my glory. This is focusing on God's presence with us, that God is with us. He is present with us through the pain. I tell you repeatedly, you never have to go through a challenge by yourself. You never have to carry a burden by yourself. God is with us even through the pain. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it. Sometimes it doesn't feel like it. And so David is saying, but you, Lord, I'm surrounded by these foes. These enemies are coming after me. But you, Lord, you protect me as my shield. Your presence is with me as my glory. And you lift up my head. That's a, the picture of encouragement and confidence. And, and I didn't put this in your notes, but just jot there somewhere. God's personal touch. He said, you lift up my head. That's, that's a beautiful picture. You may remember times when your child disappointed you and you were kind of talking to them and, and they had their head down. And you just very gently and lovingly reached under their chin and lifted up their chin and lifted up their head so that you, they could see your face and see your love. That's what David is saying. God, I am downcast. My head is down. But you lift up my head. You encourage me. You give me confidence. That's God's personal touch. Don't let your pain control your focus. Don't let the pain become your focus and i know i know that i'm talking about stuff that's hard i know that <laughs> i i was visiting someone the other day and they said man i remember not too long ago when you walked in here and you were pouring sweat because you were in so much pain yeah i remember those days too thank god those are behind me at least for now but don't let your pain be your focus stay focused on god and that's the next step keep your focus on God. And in verses 5 and 6, he says, I lie down and sleep. 
I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear tens of thousands who assail me on every side. It's one thing to remember that God is with you. It's another thing to keep your focus on God. You know, we can remember God is with me while at the same time we're just focused on our problems. Now, let's not do uh, praying that's focused on the problem. Let's do praying that's focused on the promises. Not problem-centered praying, God-centered praying. Lord, I need to keep my focus on you. You sustain me so I don't have to be afraid. In England, during the days of the Black Plague, a particular town's bishop was up late at night walking the streets of his village. The plague was making its way toward them. And he was just walking the streets at night praying for God's protection, praying for God's protection. And he said, it seemed to me that at one point God said, Bishop, you can go ahead and go to bed. I'll stay up the rest of the night. <laughs> Donna loves me and she cares about me and so sometimes when we're on a long trip and we're driving back and I'm driving, she's tired, but she wants to make sure that I'm able to stay awake, you know, because I mean, because she, but also because she doesn't want to be in a wreck. <laughs> but she'll go doze off to sleep and I'm driving all of a sudden, she'll jerk up, she'll, you okay? You okay? Yes, I'm okay. You know, and she'll go back to sleep. Are you okay? You okay? You know, I think sometimes we think we got to stay awake to keep God awake. You know, it's like, God, are you awake? Are you okay? Are you paying attention? And God says, I'm okay. Just focus on him and know that he's awake. He's got it. He's under control. But another thing, in order to be positioned to hear God through the pain, you have to be honest with him. Verse 7, tell him what you want. Tell him what you need. Arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. And this is why we like this song. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break their teeth. You know? But what he's doing is that he's saying, God, I'm in trouble. And I believe you, but I need you to help my unbelief. I'm really struggling to stay focused on you. Lord, I'm not okay right now. I need you. I need to hear you. I need to make sure that you're still with me. And... and when life is too much, talk to God about it. And when it feels like God isn't close, you can talk to him about it. And when you feel like you can't take another step, talk to him about it. When it feels like the pain won't stop, talk to him about it. And when it's dark and there seems to be no light, talk to him about it. He's listening. And again, take advantage of your brothers and sisters in the family of God. You don't have to carry your burdens alone. Not only do you have God, you have his people. Take off your mask, take off our social media facade, and call a trusted Christian friend and say, you know, I'm really not okay right now. I need some prayer. And enlist that prayer support. They will help you through the pain. God will help you through your prayers, through his promises, but also through his people. And by the way, don't get put off if somebody asks you to pray for them. All you need to do is pray for them. And, and sometimes, you know, I say, Lord, I don't, I don't, I mean, there have been some people I've been praying for, I don't even know how to pray. 
Because, Lord, I don't know what your will is in this situation. I really don't know what to pray. But here's what we could always pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, what is the kingdom of God, Paul tells us? Righteousness, peace, and joy. You can pray that for me every day of the week. God, give Pastor Ken righteousness, peace, and joy. And may your will be done. That's how you pray. One of my favorite stories about a little boy back in the day when, you know, it was safe to send your kids down to the neighborhood store and, you know, be home before the streetlights come on if you had streetlights. His mom sent him down to the little neighborhood store to buy a loaf of bread and he was gone longer than he should have been. And, and she got concerned when finally he showed up and she said, where have you been? And he said, well, there was a little boy down there who had a broken tricycle and he was crying. So I stopped to help him. And she said, I didn't know you knew anything about fixing tricycles. He said, oh, I don't. I just sat there and cried with him. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, I, you remember from a few weeks ago, my, my, isn't that a sight? You know, sometimes you just need somebody to sit and cry with you. Sometimes you just need somebody to be there. And, and they're not coming to you for your expert advice. They're coming to you because they're saying, I can't handle this. I need some prayer support. We can do that. I was trying to figure out an appropriate song to end this lesson with. And, and I thought about Word of God Speak. And you can find Word of God Speak online uh, pretty easily. It's by the group Mercy Me. But as I was searching for these songs, I, I found a song I had never heard from an, uh, from a, an artist I don't know. His name is Chris McClarney. And on this particular cut, uh, Holland is also a featured vocalist. But it's a song called, I'm Listening. And he says in this song, I don't want to miss one word you speak. So quiet my heart, I'm listening. That's how you hear from God through the pain. Pain, it's hard to be quiet. So Lord, help us to keep focused on you. And maybe this song just needs to be our prayer during the pain. Lord, quiet my heart. Let me hear you. Because Lord, when we're in pain, we need to hear from you. And so may we be able to shut out all of the distractions and focus on you and hear your voice through the pain. And Lord, may we be faithful as brothers and sisters in the family of God to lift our brothers and sisters up in prayer. And when you bring somebody to our minds, may we pray for them right then because we don't know what they're going through, but you do. And so may we be alert to your Spirit's prompting to pray for one another. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and give you his peace now and evermore. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here today. Go in peace.